Now you just keep quiet, understand? Or I'll shoot you in the face, baby. Welcome to another episode of Kill James Bond. I am Alice Gordor Kelly. I am joined, as always, by my friends Abigail Thorne and Devon. Hey! How you doing? And we have a guest who I've been instructed to introduce with the phrase, Hello, it's Alex Patak. Hello! <laughs> Alex, how, Hello. how are you doing? Host of Quarators! <laughs> Thank quarators. you! From, from podcasts. Thank you for having me. It's good. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. We 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 have uh, made you watch Red Dragon. Not that one. No, not that one. The title of this uh, the the recording session we're currently doing is Red Dragon, not that one, because this is Red Dragon, the nineteen sixty five West German Italian spy film. What if a West German guy was Italian? Exactly. Has like 50 different titles. The original German one is Das Geheimnis der Drei Schunken, The Secret of Three Junks. Hmm. Let me tell you, we are, we are deep, deep in the bowels of the fucking IMDb list of Eurospy movies here. Mm-hmm. We're not that far. This is only 1965. It, all of <laughs> the been... movies we've done thus far have been 1964 and 5. Yeah. And yet, it, it took one year precisely to get into the real dregs. I mean, this is this is. I had a bad time <laughs> with this one. Kind of a Pokemon-style craze for those two years. It's yeah. so by the numbers. This one. Oh yeah, Eurospy by the did, numbers. Did everybody catch all of the junks? Yeah. I saw two. No, there's one. There's one junk in this. There weren't that many. There's three in the opening shot. There were three in the opening. Yeah. So the, so the opening shot is some ominous junk and then sinister <laughs> umpa music, which is yeah, because a, this the first is, time I've ever this heard is that. German. Uh, mm. I mean, this is you never want to see the phrase "eine deutsche italienische Co-Production historically. Oh yeah, good point. Shit, yeah. I've always said that. Not countries that you want to co-produce anything, but particularly because the studio logo for this has a big globe and some wings, and you're like, mm. uh, oh, welcome to the axis of drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what um, they did after the war. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we got a collab again. <laughs> Not on this, but on something else. Yeah, we loved working with them. We just what we made wasn't that good, but <laughs> the energy was fantastic. It's low hanging fruit, but like it has a bunch of West German actors in it, and it was made in the sixties. So like that one of the lines in the director's Wikipedia page is like after he got out of the Allied prisoner of war camp. He went back to making movies, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, I hope you've learned your lesson. <laughs> I saw the movies he made afterwards. No, <laughs> no, no, he, he did not. <laughs> so, I, I will say, first of all... Sorry, that, uh, was he in a prisoner of war camp brackets good or bad? Uh, what do you mean by that? Which one's what, the good bro? Which one's good? <laughs> he was presumably in the German military, so no, probably not. So he's Nazi? Yeah, well, probably, yeah. I think if you're in the German military during World War II, that is one of the main ways to tell Unless you have a, a third-way approach. So it's good that he was in the POW. He was trying to change it from <laughs> just... the inside, though. He got... <laughs> Operating a rogue faction. 
I'll, I'll just I'll just sort of lay some cards on the table here. I was going to oh, drop this God. on you as a surprise. Oh. No, it's not about being a Nazi. This so this director Ernst Hofbauer, he kind of single-handedly invented a genre of softcore porn in he Germany. Yeah. He's he's like kind of most famous for that. And so his filmography is like he made a couple of westerns, he made a couple of Eurospy things, neither of them really took off. And then he did mostly like schoolgirl themed pornography mm-hmm. until until finally being shut down. And it's like So he was the guy who invented schoolgirl porn. Pretty much. Yeah, he he came up with schoolgirls. The invention. Yeah. He figured it out. <laughs> so there's like a there's like a, a little domino World War Two, and then big domino Britney Spears music video. Well, so 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 the reason why <laughs> <Yes>. is, <laughs> is, is that like um, okay. there was the, the, like a different kind of fig leaves on the production of pornography, and the way that West Germany did it was that like you could do a film adaptation of a like a professional sexologist's report into mm-hmm. like sex lives had absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with the actual thing but that was the pretext uh, and so he made a bunch of like <laughs> sorry that rules that's yes. really funny schoolgirl like sex report movies and also this i'm looking at the wikipedia here for schoolmadchen report um, yeah. <laughs> Schoolgirl Report Part 1, What Parents Don't Think Is Possible, full title. <laughs> yeah, film was a commercial success in 1970, topping the German cinema charts for weeks, becoming the first in a series that would last 13 titles. Parents do not think this is possible. <laughs> 13? Oh my the, god. Can I, I'm, I'm really is, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, to vi- vi- we're five minutes into this. There's so, lit- there's so little in this movie, it's fine. I've no. got all 13 Schoolgirl Report titles oh, here. Oh, Jesus, Which, okay. I'm just going to read these out in order. Right. Schoolgirl Report number two. What keeps parents awake at night? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Schoolgirl Report three. What parents find unthinkable, a.k.a. schoolgirls growing up. Two titles then. Right. Uh-huh. I'm noticing a lot of focus on the parents so far. Well, that happens. Yeah. It's, that's in the early filmography. We'll, we'll get to right, that. Right, okay. He develops as an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Part yeah. four, what parents? What drives parents to despair, aka campus <laughs> swingers. The pa- the parents are going through a real journey on this one, yeah. Right? <laughs> These poor parents. Four, uh, number five, what all parents should know. Uh-huh. Okay. Number six, erotic young lovers, aka campus pussycats. Now he's really shifted his focus here. Yeah, parents not so much. Parents they didn't return for part six. Parents didn't return here. Um, Schoolgirl report part seven, but heart needs to be there. Oh, okay. Now so, we get to this so in now part seven. He's getting quite wistful. <laughs> you do all of the sex scenes, all of the softcore porn, and you're just like, yeah, um, but it means nothing without heart. Yeah, indeed. But part um, seven here, and if this, I think this is the last one that he directed. Uh, part seven, what parents should never get to know, aka naughty co-eds. <laughs> no, parents man. should never get to know naughty co-eds. Never. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they put him out of business because West Germany legalized hardcore porn. And, and <laughs> they were like, oh, we're done with this shit. Thank Christ. I got yeah. five more schoolgirl reports here. I'm not letting you leave. Um, oh, it's not a wistful titles. Mm. Much like the schoolgirls, you know, the bell the, the bell doesn't dismiss you. No, no, I've been a teacher for many years. Um, wow, I don't know if I can say that contextually. Let's go ahead and go yeah. ahead with that statement. <laughs> yeah, brackets good. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, report nine, examination before matriculation. Uh-huh. I don't know, not good. Uh, number, number ten, every girl starts sometime. That's a fact. I'm, 
Number 11, trying beats studying, aka Blue Dreams, aka Confessions of a Naked Virgin. They really couldn't like legalize hardcore porn quickly enough, I think. He he wasn't cooking here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> and then his last two, and he's done a very like Scorsese thing here where he's gotten quite sentimental and focused in his in his older years. He's gone, Yeah. Uh, young girls need love. And his last one is Schoolgirl Report 13. Don't forget the love when having sex. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so you're learning something. So, 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 so yeah, it's a sort of a kind of like like a Killers of the Flower Moon of yeah, you know, uh, schoolgirl porn. Is it too late to put this guy back in the POW camp? <laughs> I mean, I guess the thing is, right? If, if you're then trying to compete with like '70s West German hardcore porn, where a guy wearing like white ankle socks with a handlebar mustache is like, like fucking every hole on a woman, right? Mm -hmm. Then presumably you have to lean into sentimentality and you mm. have to be like, uh, you know, like the good old <laughs> days, I guess. We all remember naughty co-eds like the early 70s. Now everyone's yeah. hardcore porn. <laughs> everyone's getting, getting pissed on and shit, yeah. The actors in these films are adults, I hope. Um, well, see, this is the thing. This is part of the reason why they were, like, suppressed in the UK, as I understand from Wikipedia, is because there was some dispute about that. So, yeah, put this guy back in the fucking POW camp. Red mm -hmm. Dragon. Red Dragon, however. The 1965... Yeah, okay, that's that's quite enough about nonsense. Uh, well, Red it's Dragon. important to know the mindset the director was coming to this with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to know what mindset this man was coming anything with. He's bringing three junks to the film. Yeah. Three three junks hit the film, mm -hmm. and... Immediate racism. It, the very first line is racist. Yeah, a guy who looks like cunty Steve McQueen. Not that Steve McQueen wasn't cunty, but this guy... This guy's kind of the, like, Yasha role in this movie, of <laughs> the henchman who is a little bit aesthetic, and a little bit... He's always posing. I know? I know exactly what you mean, but mm. he's, he doesn't do it for me. Like, really? they've not pushed no. him hard enough. He's not, ah. he's not cunty enough. No. Well, the first thing he does is he, he grabs a hitman who is, like, because they're in Hong Kong on a junk, he grabs the guy, says, hey, Confucius, so the racism counter goes way up, mm -hmm. hands him two glossy photos of, of actors and goes, commit these to memory and then kill them. Mm -hmm. Hands him a gun, and then he just, like, lets him keep the photos. Mm. Which, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the memorization thing was going on there if you were just going to give them to there was a moment where um because the film had just begun mm -hmm. you have to mm -hmm. take a moment and pause and, and think well yeah. maybe this guy's yeah. name is confucius anything no. could happen in here it's, a, it's they're in hong kong i did bring up the imdb to make sure <laughs> yeah. god i hope it's not yeah, it's just something that seems really racist. The way um, these films always start is that a secret agent gets killed, who we call 009. Uh, mm -hmm, this yep. time we have an indulgence, we have two 009s. A double 009. And a stride for representation, one of the 009s is a woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, one of our 009s, our sort of like sweaty, pursued man, it like goes to see his like colleague and finds her already dead. She like slumps over on the park bench. Uh, and then he also gets killed. By uh, by the guy, so he flees to his flat and he's transmitting a message. Oh fuck! You're right. You're right. I completely forgot about the posting station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He logs on. He goes to his flat and he like immediately starts on a teletype machine. Mm -hmm. And yes, within seconds of sitting down, is like gunned down. This happens to me constantly. He goes to do age gap discourse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he gets on housing Twitter, and a guy <laughs> fucking executes him with a pistol. We see Money Penny mm-hmm. in San Francisco get the teletype of like I am being shot. Ah. I mean, they do. They literally do that. Like they, mm, yeah. this guy gets shot, and then the 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 guy that kills him wanders over and types onto his teletype. Uh, the the response here, I I got the hogs to translate it because I couldn't see what was going on here. He's trying to make a report here. There are three junks, whatever. I, I and he gets back. We were interrupted. Please repeat. And the guy types out, "I can't. I'm dead." Into the thing and sends it over. It's really like insult to injury. That is pretty cunty. Yeah, mm, yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool to kill a guy and then be like, "By the way, I have killed your agent." Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so Money Penny tells M, uh, and M says, "Get Bond, uh, who is in this one is oh, called Scott. Bond." Yeah, this is the weirdest Bond we've ever had. First of all, this Bond is not just called Scott; it's called Michael Scott, like the boss he's from the office. Mike from the office. <laughs> from the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's introduced like normally with these. We see Bond; he's like on vacation. He's like skiing. He's like draped in beautiful women. He's sexually assaulting a woman. Yeah, mm-hmm. things of this nature. What this Bond is doing is he has configured two. Well, like two lines of a model train set such that one train brings him a whiskey, one train brings him a soda. He's missing his third train. He's miss- He's been unable to configure the like ice train to finish his drink. And this is so perfect. I was locked into this. He's also smoking a cigarette in a yeah. cigarette holder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's kind of slightly loose. This There's bond. a different train that brings him the cigarette. He's, he's living the life. And he's an older man, too. <laughs> he's an older guy. guy. If they leaned into the train thing more, like, if he had had more things, more train-themed gadgets, more things being brought to him by model train, mm-hmm. I'm all about it, you know? But they kind of forget that pretty quickly, and I think that's a real shame. I was so stuck on it. I was waiting the rest of the movie for trains to come back. <laughs> they do once, which is fun. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But also the the voice that they give this guy in the dub. Do we have any drops of him? Uh, well, the opening one. Now you just keep quiet, understand, or I'll shoot you in the face, baby. I got a few of them. He's he's a, the actor who dubs this. I don't know who it was, but he he's got a very dynamic voice. He's very bouncy in his delivery. He's mm-hmm. quite playful. It's it's very very interesting. It's just big contrast to kind of your normal Bond, who's normally a bit kind of like subdued, very Daniel Craig or Sean Connery, like a bit kind of monotone. This guy mm. is just like if you were to to show me this sort of What's that called? Like the the voice pattern, the waves. Yeah, the thing yeah, I'm looking at form. right now. The waveform. The waveform. Wave wave right. Yeah, it would be like very very dynamic. Show me the waveform podcast. Mm. Professional. This is yeah. This is Stuart <laughs> Granger, um, who is a British kind of a mm. like middling actor. Like he plugged away. He did a lot of shit. He like um, moved to the US, tried ranching for a bit, and just kind of like this is the late career stuff. He's quite old for the role as well. And he's like sort of graying at the temples. Mm-hmm. He uh, also, I do want to note that it's very funny to me that we have a German Bond, and the first thing he's doing is playing Train Simulator at home on vacation. Yeah, that is quite fun. One of us. Love that this is canonically <laughs> how he's spending his vacation. Huge fan. This is the thing about <laughs> German spies, you know, the 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 BVD or whatever. They just um, they get home and they play spy games. Yeah, but he's in a full suit as well. He's sitting cross-legged oh, on the floor in a full course. suit, playing with his trains here. On the holiday. infrastructure must be changed for ice. 
<laughs> so, so, so he goes into the office to see M, and first of all, this is one of the lowest effort M things I've ever yeah. seen. Where it's just like, yeah, there's fucking smuggling nuclear bomb parts to. Well, Bond, here's the deal with this movie. The, the note, the, the only note that I have on this one is that obviously you have to show him some pictures of the guys, right? And so what they use to do that is they deploy a sort of recessed within a wall guy identification panel? <laughs> Why don't you use the identograph? Yeah, no, it's, it's just like a little you screen inset into the wall, where it's just like, it's sole purpose, it's a really weird angle too, is displaying photos of guys that you need to identify. Mm. And yeah, the plot, the plot is... <laughs> it's actually what Brian Quimby's got in his house, it's how he... That's a lot of his work. It's how he finds the guys. <laughs> yeah. If you've listened to any number of episodes of this podcast, you could probably like recite the plot of this movie. There's a criminal gang, they're smuggling yep. gadgets to make nuclear weapons into yep. China, and yep. 009 was onto them, which is why yep. he was killed, so now you yep. need to go down there and investigate what's going on. Like, Go to Hong Kong. Hong well, Kong. actually, no, it, it, it does the man from uncle thing, where it's like, there is a beautiful woman involved. Go and like uh, see what yeah. the deal is with her. Because the female 009 um, was just a, a telegraph operator. She wasn't really one of our agents. We're not really that progressive. Um, but she was killed too, and we reckon they are going to try and hire a replacement for her from San Francisco, which is the city that we're in now. Um, so we've actually intercepted the woman that they're going to hire. So go to her apartment and and go to her apartment and fuck around. Yeah, which he does. He he breaks into her apartment, finds her like in in the bathroom. So while he's waiting outside, mm -hmm. he does a little like arm flap stim, which I just find really funny. I will. I will say I love that the throughout this M scene they're calling each other Joe and Scott respectively, mm. and it yes. it doesn't have any sort of gravitas, no. even slightly, to no. have your two secret agents be called Joe and Scott. Yeah, no. So since his last name is Scott, does that mean the other guy's last name is Joe? What, Mister Joe? Mister Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you could have elevated the gravitas of this scene so much mm. by like Bond calling him like Sir. Mm. Or even just Mr. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Mr. Joe just... is my father. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Call me Joe. Just that Joe. awareness of like of like you know class dynamics or whatever. Mm. Anyway, uh, the the beautiful woman gets out of the shower, finds that like Bond has broken into her house and is holding her bra. Yeah, absolute fucking nonce. Average secret mm -hmm. agent material. He just goes in there. He's like, all right, let's check the bras. First of all, that's where she's going to be hiding things. Mm -hmm. Parents hate and... to know this. <laughs> There's a microfilm in here. I've I've seen these. <laughs> so, so a lot of these things, the um, uh, sort of thrust of this is going to be that he would seduce her, mm -hmm. right, or something like that. Instead, we do a kind of more realistically coercive thing, mm. where he goes, uh, cooperate immediately or go to fucking prison. Like I have the drop here. Twenty-seven years in jail. Well, I tell you. If you are a very good girl and cooperate, mm. I'll see that you don't go in at all. Which mm. she pulls a fucking uh, gun on him. Which she does. Great. Uh, he very patronizingly like dismisses it and then like takes it off her. That's a horrible looking little thing. Is that loaded? Which <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I mean about his voice? You never know how you'll react when you see a gun. Ah. <laughs> Disgraceful. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> man, man who adult Yuck. man who earnestly believes women still have cooties. Mm. He's like, yeah. <laughs> but um, but he finds her with jail time, and she says, "Look, mm. I don't know anything about the people I was supposed to meet. They gave me like a ripped half of a dollar bill. 
And yep. I was supposed to meet a guy in Hong Kong off the plane and give this to him, and that's all I know. And he's like, right, okay, cool. Um, and then he has her arrested. Yeah, he immediately betrays her. Mm. I have a question for the podcast. Um, mm. I haven't seen as many spy films, so I defer to your expertise here. Do you see this move a lot where you disarm a woman by going, hey, there's someone behind you? And she goes, what? And looks over her shoulder and you just take her gun? Because that was so embarrassing. That's one of the most effective strategies we've ever seen. (laughs) You lose all respect for this woman instantly. He does the look behind you trick and it works. There's a kind of strict gender divide with these things, right? Where you disarm a woman by being like, hey, there's something behind you. And you disarm a man by doing like a sick like mid-level kick and kicking the gun out of their hands. Mm There's so much disarming in this film, so much that our Bond even makes a joke about it later on. It's true. It's incredibly non-lethal. He has her arrested and he says, never trust a man, and blows her a kiss and leaves. And I'm like, fuck. Never me. trust a man. Mm. There's also, I mean, he also keeps calling her a good girl, which... Well, you've been a very good girl. You've been such a good girl. I want to introduce you to my family. Which... Uh, that doesn't come back. <laughs> he doesn't. No. There's a post-credit scene. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> He just gets her arrested. She's like in federal prison for the next 27 years, I guess. Mm. Very trans Twitter that drop. Mm. I yeah, there's some some dual applications here. Mm-hmm. So he's then introduced to the agent who's going to replace her. Yeah, yeah. Ah. She's going to pose as a telegraph operator. This is Carol. Yes. Oh, you're so right. So I guess that woman does just go to prison then. Okay. Yeah, she, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, she just fully just goes to prison. <laughs> One scene, prison. Okay, yeah, so, I thought it was the same woman for the whole movie. Carol is blonde. <laughs> they go to they go to a Japanese restaurant or a Chinese restaurant. I'm not actually sure which. I assumed it was Chinese because we're going to Hong Kong. But oh, it, it is Chinese. I've just put Japanese for a joke convention in the next note, which mm. is um, white boy shocks Japanese restaurant by asking for knife and fork in perfect racist accent. Mm. <laughs> Because he I say, oh boy. You got a knife and fork for me. He does a joke about how he doesn't know how to use chopsticks. Yeah. And then throughout the rest of this meal, he's like doing bits about how shitty the food is and how they're gonna leave and get like Euro food. He can't work the chopsticks and he says, No wonder the Chinese are so thin, they never get anything to eat. And like what? she, meanwhile, is like gorgeous and just like eating the chopsticks because she's oh, intelligent and yeah. cultured. And and she her line to him is why are you looking at me? Not why are you looking at me like that, just why are you looking at me, which is like accidentally like perfectly shutting him down mm. to be like, don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> He's so patronizing in this scene because he says, oh, yes. I like you. I'm going to worry so much about you when we're in Hong Kong. And like, she isn't really a secret agent. She's just a telegraph operator, but she's she's in on this. She's in on mm. working for the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's very good at telegraphing. She has it's 119 true. words a minute, she says. Yeah, yeah, mm. really good. He gives her a bracelet, um, and it's like a communicator. The Discord bracelet, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to come back fairly often. Uh, and it's just like, it's a hidden radio thing. It works with his watch, uh, so he can like bother her from like by in audio whenever he wants. Also, uh, her fit in this scene, astounding. White yeah. dress, which... Amazing if you're going to go you're going out to dinner at a Chinese restaurant eating chopsticks with a white dress. Love it. Also, like, mm-hmm. asymmetric white overcoat. Beautiful. Mm. How does she do it? There are some good ones later. Mm. So they go, they go to Hong Kong. She is dropped off. Uh, and they, you know, they separate. She goes to get picked up by cunty Steve McQueen. Mm-hmm. Um, while he takes a rickshaw, the most racist mode of transport. Dev, you <laughs> found something really funny in this? Yeah. 
Oh, God, yeah, when they cut across the camera to our Bond, he hasn't started moving yet, so he's just stood completely still. Like, he's in the Joe Biden pose with his hands, like, mm. flat by his side. <laughs> this is, <laughs> listen, you get, like, a very rare look at, like, an actor who doesn't think the camera is on them yet, and then you get to see them start. Like, he, you can see him say action in his brain, and, like, it's, it's really, really, it's really funny. Just, just do another try on that one. It, man. Like, it reminds me of a. Well, it reminds me of that time that we saw Atomic Blonde, and we saw those two supporting artists have to keep talking for about three more seconds than they thought they were going to. It's just this moment where the world of the movie just kind of like flickers a little bit. She's like, oh it's, shit, uh, it's really funny. I do love that. Mm. So, 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 Cunty Steve McQueen is like, uh, he he has the other half of the dollar bill, so he's like, all right, I immediately accept this is real, and you are who you say you are. Uh, I'm going to drive you to the Spectre lair, where, mm. so that so that you can do the typing, which again yeah. is insane mm-hmm. as a prompt to be like, yeah, we just sort of like hired some woman to do the typing because you can't have men do it. Well, it's a little bit clever than that, which we found out later. But like, um, so we meet our main bad guy. Is it? Yeah, we meet our main bad guy Pierre Milo, um, and mm. his associate Blanche. My Blanche. notes say hello, Clocky. I yeah I have 1960s trans woman dysphoria. Uh-huh. Blanche <laughs> insanely hot. Yeah, no, Blanche looks fantastic. This they kind of they kind of have like couple looking for a third energy. They yes. really do. I don't know if they I don't know if they do if that's just what every European couple is like. <laughs> I gotta go to this. I gotta go to Europe. Is the thing <laughs> like like if that's just the vibe? That's me and my criminal associates saw you from across Hong Kong, Bain. <laughs> like <laughs> your vibe. <laughs> Yeah, so what? she's. I They're saying we got two junks and we're looking mm. for a third. <laughs> we also meet Mei Ping, uh, who is uh, a Chinese lady who's there as like the mate, we think. Mm. Um, and uh, as as Carol is settling into her room, uh, we see Milo go downstairs and calls the boss, and he's like, "Yeah, new secretary just arrived. It's all good." Yeah, she's definitely not a spy. I'm oh, fascinated crazy. with Mei Ping because she is the only Asian person who is a character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the yeah. whole time I'm yes. like waiting for her to be like the spy queen, but no, she's just no. she's Mei Ping. We love what she does. Yeah, she does. Say there's a bit of a reveal with her later. But. Well, yeah, but like one of the things about how racist this movie is is not something that you can pull out just in like uh, here's what happens in this scene, here's what happens in this scene, but a kind of like general disdain for anyone who is actually from Hong Kong because like in half yeah. the scenes they're just like stepping over them mm. or like pushing past them and it, the way that it's filmed is one of like complete disinterest like mm. I don't know how you make 1965 Hong Kong look boring mm. but they film it like in a really kind of like flat uninterested way where you just know there's some like ex-Nazi German guy holding the camera who's just like yes, this is not interesting to me yeah, and I guess also the scene in the Chinese restaurant really sets us up because like he he doesn't know how to use chopsticks and sees no reason to learn. Ever need to learn. Which would be like an easy, like gimme, like character growth bullshit thing as he learns how to use chopsticks. Never does. In fact, even as they leave the restaurant, he says, let's go and get dinner. He, t- he t- sends the food back and it's like, I don't like it. Racist asshole. Proudly ignorant. So he, he goes to a temple and he meets our man in Hong Kong, this guy, Norman. Yeah, and this this has weirdly cruising vibes because he's like, does. The, there's a woman in the temple who's like praying because she's looking for a husband, and he's like, I'm looking for a man too. As he <laughs> sidles up to this other guy, mm. and it's just like, mm. 
I just love all the names. Michael, Scott, Joe, Norman, Linda, mm. Norman. Carol, mm. Blanche. This is fantastic <laughs> shit. This mm. is some real peak six. Well, we're about to meet a guy who does have a memorable name. That's true, because, because Norman's like, listen, you need to meet a second consecutive white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the guy who would be playing the part of, like, local ally, I guess, except... <laughs> I thought he was going to. I thought yeah. he was going to be like a Mr. Sontag. Genuinely, because he he's like, okay, I gotta you gotta meet this guy. He's like my man on the ground. He speaks Chinese. Speaks he knows Chinese, the city. Like he knows the city. And yeah. I was like, okay, cool. We're gonna meet our like local ally. We cut to we meet Smokey, who's just a white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Smokey's unbelievable. <laughs> I love Smokey's energy throughout this whole fucking Huge fan of Smokey. Yeah. Smokey is maybe uh I think he got this job by lying about having previous experience. And he's definitely lying about speaking Chinese. He's a he's a rube. Like the only requirements they're given before we beat Smokey are someone who knows Hong Kong like the back of his yep. hand and is fluent in Chinese. And you look over and it's the dumbest white boy <laughs> they could find <laughs> on the continent. <laughs> He's so happy to be there, though. <laughs> Ostensibly, oh. Michael Scott is an FBI agent, and I'm like, I, I kind of believe this is how the FBI would have operated, particularly mm. in the 60s, you know? It's like, yeah, we just we just found this guy. Well, I guess it's because the implied the implied third criteria is... He says he knows all of this. And he has to be white. Yeah. Mm. He doesn't say that, but like... He's in the club. Yeah. He's smoky. He's a good old boy. Damn, we're in we're in Hong Kong. Where are we gonna find a bunch of people who know Hong Kong and speak Chinese? Uh... Weirdly, like you couldn't even find a a British white guy when we were the colonial overlords of Hong Kong. Which yeah, thank yeah. God we're not involved in this. Yeah, no, we genuinely right. <laughs> we didn't do any of this. Thank <laughs> fucking Christ. Not responsible. Also, that never comes up. That at no point does the FBI have to go and like have a word with the colonial office. No, I'm like, hang on a minute, shouldn't you be chatting to us? It's just location. Yeah, the thing. Like, yeah. this takes place in Hong Kong, but it could have been anywhere. Like, it You're does right. not in any way meaningfully engage with being in Hong Kong. You're right, Alice, because they they're just like not interested in Hong Kong as a setting at all. Mm. Yeah, which is weird because like the most enjoyable parts of this for me was looking in the background and just seeing like 1960s Hong Kong street life, but just like. Yeah. Really interesting, fascinating setting. And all the boats. The yeah. boats were so Whenever good. a boat shows up, the movie becomes twice as enjoyable for the next <laughs> seven minutes. Yeah, I mean, just like all the most mm. interesting stuff is is Hong Kong. Like fucking Police Story 2, where I went into a 10 minute reverie because I saw a like catering van. Yeah. It, it, this, this movie doesn't even give you the opportunity to do that because it's like so hostile to its own sort of like. If anything, subject. Hong Kong is an obstacle, not a setting. Yeah. I, th- I think this comes up soon, but there's, uh, th- as long as we're talking about like background setting, the the Michael Scott has to take a rowboat at one point to <laughs> like do one yeah. of his uh, spy meetings or whatever, and they totally gloss over this. And Michael Scott is not interested at all. But the guy who rows the rowboat is essentially like he just flops an oar in the back and like bench presses it nonstop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. up and down almost. It's really interesting. <laughs> it looks <Yeah>. exhausting. <laughs> Wow. I want to know everything about this and nothing about Michael Scott. Mm. Before we get there, yeah. though, uh, Scott mm. looks at some model trains in a window, and he we does. get another classic of 60s spy movies, a sinister guy pretending to be blind. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is about like blind people in the 60s that's like, that's sinister. You can't trust them. <laughs> they were really yeah. mistrusted. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> They're lying. 
What was this? How pissed off would you be if you were blind in the 60s and you weren't a professional assassin? Because, like, per the movies, 100% Yeah, 100% of the blind people that we have seen on film in this podcast have been pretending to be assassins. I think it's just... They're living real assassins pretending to be blind! Yeah, it's true. Stealing valor. I think it's it's right up there with like the holes in the newspaper. Like this is just classic spy shit. If you don't mm. want to like just put any effort in today, you put some sunglasses on and get a stick, and you're like, fuck it, fuck it. No yeah, one's gonna yeah, look yeah. at me. The irony. No one mm. will see me because I can't see. <sighs> so, the, so the so the fake blind guy follows Scott and Smokey back to their place mm-hmm. where Smokey's like, hey, do you want to wrestle me again? Some weird vibes here. I love Smokey. Mm. Again, Michael Scott is 60 years old. Mm. <laughs> yeah. just, just, this guy looks amazing as well. He's got like the Dracula flow fucking peak. It's like pure does, white on the yeah. sides. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who cast this man as like a suave and sexy spy? Yeah, very odd. He's sort Fantastic. of not very, not very Bond-like at all. No. Like, Bond wasn't really a super established character at this point, and he's like, he's not even, he's an FBI agent, so he's a cop more than he's a spy. He's, like, older, he doesn't really have any, like, uh, sort of Bond qualities. And Smokey is like, hey, can you, like, put me in a headlock? I think that would be fun. Mm. I never had a father. Smokey just bearing a little too much immediately. It's just like, you smell really good. He's just trying to get his whole backstory across the second he's on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the second he does this, the 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 blind guy strikes mm-hmm. uh, and with, with a gun hidden in his cane. He misses, yeah. and then Scott Uncle chops him. And as he's going to interrogate him, the blind guy gets killed with a throwing knife that's been thrown from a passing car. Which good shot. Yeah, really good. Incredible knife. Mm. I I have I have I have two notes from this. Note no, note number one. I love a throwing knife guy. I love him. I cannot get enough of a guy who has a throwing knife. Uh, that's my first note. Uh, second note, they had a second assassin on hand waiting in case the first assassin failed, and that second assassin's job was to kill the first assassin hmm. only. This organization does not tolerate failure. <laughs> Even if you have a free shot on Michael Scott, <laughs> do not take don't it. Take, no. you, like, you, the two of them are next to each other when this guy <laughs> takes out the previous assassin. I mean to put out an ad for a hitman and include the words no one would chain. <laughs> it's a sort of like it's a sort of hitman food chain, you know? There's like he's a higher form of like predatory life. You know, he's the eagle swooping down. Oh, it'd be such a harsh interview as the first assassin being there, like, now you promise you haven't hired a second assassin to mm. kill me. <laughs> and they're like, no, no. It's a seniority system. Like, they send a junior guy in at the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, I mean, it's really funny to be like, to do the, this organization does not tolerate failure thing, but like, instantly, mm. <laughs> because you don't have time to like bring that guy back and show him getting in trouble. So instead, you just have a guy like, on deck, ready to kill him. Yeah. So at this point, Carol finds out what her job is gonna be, and she yeah. sits. She sits in the basement, and they get transmissions uh, from the junk, which we assume are criminal in nature. They're always mm. in code. Yeah. She's her, her job is to to transmit and receive messages that she doesn't understand through a process that she does, which is some kind of Chinese room which is apt, I guess. Yeah, and and she says it seems like pretty 
easy work. Like, why did you mm. hire me? You're paying me all this money to do this. It's very easy. And Milo says, thinking that she is the woman who she has replaced, well, we understand that you've had a little bit of a criminal background. I needed somebody who wasn't going to ask too many questions. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she's like, got it, boss. We're criminals. No worries. Um, and she says, oh, by the way, could I maybe help with the decoding? You know, I do have these skills. And he's like, maybe if you're good. Mm. Yeah, maybe if you're a good girl. I think he actually does call her a good girl again. Which the sexual is... tension is through the roof. Mm, yeah. Parents don't know about this. Yeah. Parents don't want to know about mm. this. Parents must not know. Um, <laughs> um, and she calls Scott, and Scott's like, oh, you got to take care of your pretty face, baby. Yeah. Well, s- sort of. I think this is the point that what actually happens is she calls Scott and dann fangen alle an Deutsch zu sprechen because the fucking dub runs out. This is the problem with these movies. This is just an Oz problem. This is- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is we have a bunch of movies that are like, it's, it's somewhat dubbed into English and then the rest of the time in German with no subtitles. I don't, I, I don't think we're missing anything. I don't think those few minutes contain anything good, hmm. but um, yeah. It's part of the way the film is meant to be viewed where you black out every seven minutes and then mm-hmm. come back mm, after a brief yeah. period of confusion. That is very much how I did this one. Uh, Carol here doing standard 60s hot girl shit where she's lounging in a nighty, so kicking her good. feet, and she's got perfect, like, permed hair. How do you do it, Carol? Mm, mm. She looks great. Scott <laughs> goes to meet um, Norman and Smokey. And Scott says, how did the blind assassins know that I'm in town and that I'm an FBI agent? I, it's really weird. The only people... Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. The blind the blind assassins implies the second guy was also blind, which I really <laughs> like. All... It's just a blind guy with a throwing knife. It's, it's a John like... Wick situation. All blind people in Hong Kong work for yeah. the junk lord. <laughs> yeah. So he, says, how, so he says, how do they know I'm here and how do they know I'm a bad guy? The only people who know I'm in town are you, Norman, and you, Smokey. Weird. Guess we'll never know. And I'm like, okay, Norman. <laughs> I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, just like, damn. Anyway. Norman's the bad guy. Norman's the. Because it's not. We're not going to reveal that Smokey's the criminal mastermind, are we? It's clearly Norm who's like, damn, that's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> Someone's tipped him off, but I can't figure out who. Oh, well. Mm, anyway. It would have been a great reversal if after teaching Smokey how to fight, Smokey used those moves on him in the third act. Yeah, it would be cool if it turned out the bad guy was Smokey. But no, you, as we all knew, you can trust Smokey through and through. Smokey course, yeah. is a sterling gentleman. He will not he will not betray you. Norman, though. Oh, Norman who looks like German Silvio Berlusconi. Yeah. He does. Um, oh, no. shit. <laughs> this is uh, Paul Klinger, by the way, who like worked as an actor through the war. Yeah. Well, did you get an exemption to work as an actor? <laughs> it's okay. Smokey was uh, in the war as well. <laughs> he was. He, I checked. Christ. The actor was um, uh, drafted at 15 into the Second World War. So mm. on the German side. I guess there's like worse things you could work at during the war. That's true. Anyway, so they they go to the docks, right, to try and figure out what's going on. And a guy just like ambushes them with a camera. Uh, and I. I I'm like, oh, they're doing the thing from like one of the OSS things where a guy identifies him. No, no, this is a business that apparently operates by like taking your picture on the docks and then going, hey, do you want a picture of you on the docks? And coincidentally, on the wall of this building, they have a photo of 009 
0092, the woman who got killed, and a third guy at mm. the docks. So like, oh, who's the third guy? Who could it be? The third man, if you will. Um, mm. It's it, it's a Chinese guy. The third junk. Yeah. Third junk. <laughs> and, and so they go, okay, well, where can you find Chinese guys who work at the docks? The docks, probably. Mm. I, I don't fucking remember how they get to this point, but like I got a yeah no a lot of my notes are just like huh <laughs> yeah yeah at this point so so they're chatting with Norm again at the bar and they're like we need to find the third guy in this photo cool um so Smokey and uh, Scott leave to go and find the third guy there's a white guy with a fucked up mustache who mm-hmm. does the kind of like kill them he like orders a goon to follow them with a gun we never find out who this guy with the mustache is and he never comes back. He just no. works there. He's involved. In what the fuck <laughs> is yeah, this he's guy? actually not part of the conspiracy. He works for the dock, and he's like, that guy's fucking around. <laughs> the dock assassin. Send one of our blind assassins. Yeah. <laughs> Smokey says, yo, I found a fisherman who knows who the guy in the photo is. So they go to see that fisherman. Mm. Uh, and this is. So, so, so they, they ro- they're rowed out to see that fisherman. By there's a, second a guy. Fisherman. Yeah, there's a guy following them. That guy has a facial scar, so you know he's evil, and he has a knife. Mm hmm. Yeah, a knife that he opens, it's a spring blade, he opens it and then puts it, blade still out, into his sleeve. And you Ow. go, amazing. <laughs> Wait, I wouldn't do You're that. good. Mm. This, guy, this guy knows how to use a knife. Yeah, this guy knows who he's about. Uh, so, so, Smokey speaks Chinese, right? That's why we brought Smokey, because of his Chinese speaking. He tries to speak Chinese to the the fisherman and his Chinese is, I checked this with a, with a speaker of, uh, of Cantonese. Terrible, very bad Chinese. Apparently, very bad Chinese, folks. Which is at, at least authentic. Mm-hmm. The guy speaks English anyway, which is almost funny. Really, hugely love that it's canon. This guy doesn't speak good Chinese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is quite cool. Here's our guy. He speaks Chinese. He knows <laughs> Hong Kong like the back of his hand. <laughs> eh, eh. He brings the heart to the mission. Is really what he does. Mm, that's yeah. true. Gotta bring the heart. Much like, much like, uh, you know, schoolgirl love. If it, there's, there's not heart there, then God. you know, I shouldn't have done it in the first five minutes. I realised we set us up to do a lot of return jokes to the pedophilia. But probably should have thought about that. I'm still not over like small domino World War Two. Listen, listen, listen. Th- th- like thirty minutes of the show. Pedophile mm. jokes. The other thirty minutes of the the show is going to be every drop of any time anyone mentions the word junk. I have yeah. all of these. I'm still not over small domino World War Two. Big domino. My ex say, "Do you want me to wear pigtails?" And I'm like, "No." That's weird. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Well, if you ask the parents, they're going to say, "I don't know." <laughs> so, so at this point, the guy with the knife perfectly throws the knife and misses mm. everything but this frightens off the like the witness to the point that he's like okay well i'm i'm not fucking talking even yeah. though michael scott chases the knife guy off well i say mm-hmm. chases the knife guy off what he does is he turns fires like three shots all of which <laughs> 45 miss. degree angle upward yeah no, the, the <laughs> angles of the shots was so wild straight <laughs> yes. in the air then add a random like boat yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh shit. He like shoots three unrelated people, yeah. And and then the guy with the knife is like very gently like breast stroking away under a mm. under a boat very okay. slowly. Damn, mm. can't get him. It's a bronze swimming certificate. He only brought one knife, he missed, and then just swam away. We're like, 
Not what we can do. Oh, that well. guy was assassinated by a different guy moments later, we assume. Yeah, boat drove past and the second guy just dropped a knife on him. Or a knife with, like, tied to a brick, so it's like... <laughs> A lot of people in the Hong Kong economy at that time were just, like, Assassin nested assassins. assassins. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so so we go back to um, uh, the fucking... Mm-hmm. The villa. The villa. Because at this point, Scott and Smokey are like, well, we better try and do some actual spy work then. Yes. So they go to Milo's villa and they pose as insurance salesmen. And then he tries to do the Pierce Brosnan thing of like, yo, have you committed any crimes? Yeah, yeah. and, and Milo's answer to this is no. Why, no. Make an appo- why, why don't you make an appointment to get assassinated, idiot? Yeah. Well, they're like, did you know your secretary and also her friend are both dead? And they're like, damn, that's crazy. We don't know anything about <laughs> the that. guy's like, really? Wow. Huh. <laughs> hmm. I'm hearing of this. And he's got this massive great chad and the huge eyebrows as well. Just really mm-hmm. interesting looking guy. Mm. And it, it, there is a kind of bond moment here where Milo goes into the basement, like calls his boss and his boss is immediately like, yeah, he's an FBI agent. Kill him. Which yeah. really liked that. He like um, calls his boss to be like, there's a strange guy here who's doing insurance stuff. And the boss is like, yeah, no, he's FBI. I've already tried to kill him twice. If you could take care of him for me, that'd be fucking great. He can dodge a knife like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, You're yeah. going to need to bring a second knife. I, I know we never do this, but you may have to consider. Bring a bringing- second knife to kill yourself when you miss. Yeah. <laughs> License to kill yourself. <laughs> kill yourself. And the last knife is. Uh, I'm going to take a chance on this one. I have come. No. Kill yourself. There we go. <laughs> <It is>. <laughs> so, <laughs> there it just, is. Yeah. To just sort of like I'm, miss with both of the knives that I brought and to be like. Killing myself! <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Harvey. I'm gonna fucking kill that. This is gonna f- feature in every episode going forward. I'm so sorry. Uh, so so yeah. At this point, <laughs> Scott is like, "All right, Smokey, can you fucking do one thing right in your miserable life and go and investigate the like warehouses this guy has by the docks that I know about?" For some so reason. many like dead ends in this movie. So like, Smokey goes to the docks, they try and kill him, and then he goes back, and nothing well, happens. Like, and the exchange before they send Smokey off though. Is, is this one, which I really love. I'll meet you at 7 o'clock outside the same bar, right? I've got it, Chief. What do you do in the meantime? Hmm? Well, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> He's just like me. He's just <laughs> like me. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep, man. Best of luck. Yeah. Scott, in the guise of this insurance agent, like calls me low and says, hey, can we have a meeting to talk about life insurance? He's like, yeah, cool. Come to come to these assassination coordinates. Yeah. yeah. By by the way, um, when Smokey goes to that that those docks, that warehouse, mm-hmm. a guy tries to kill him like Looney Tunes style by dropping <laughs> a big crate on him. And yeah. when the crate misses, the same guy just like leans back like ah oh, well done all I he can. He just went for one <laughs> shot at it and was like oh. I May don't have Ping a knife to kill there. myself with. Smokey so. suspects she may have been involved. Everyone on the mm. entire dock looked at him, saw a crate mm-hmm. almost squashed his head, and was just like, eh, Thursday, and moved on. <laughs> well, Damn. he dives into the harbor to avoid it. Um, and in fact, Scott comments on this in the next scene, because Smokey tells him, I had to jump in the water. And he's like, but your clothes are dry. And he says, well, I went back to my hotel and I cleaned and ironed all of my clothes. Germans. And we get some more like slightly homoerotic things where uh, Scott says, oh, you'd make a great housewife. Yes, love to, yeah. to dress you up in an apron. He, he says you you should get married. Uh, you, to me? You'll, what? you'll give Just some kidding. lucky Unless... girl a great wife, and I'm like, huh? um, t- mm. do you ever practice kissing, Smokey? 
Have <laughs> you heard of Lucy Dacus? The song <laughs> Kissing Lessons. It was very formative on me. Um, so, Good song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so drive to the assassination coordinates and yeah. uh, mm. Cunty yes. Steve McQueen tries to assassinate Cunty Steve McQueen. This is the only part in the movie in which I sit up in my seat until I, and when I note that Cunty Steve McQueen is armed with a sterling submachine gun. Mm. This is when we thought yeah, that like, like, a really the, good one. the way of the future was... G- was going to be like uh, a submachine gun with a magazine that came in from the side. It was mm. like the successor to the Sten. It looks really fucking cool. Spy movies. I live for that side. I live for that shit. Spy movies. So, yeah, they, they shoot them with the bullets that like drive your car off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Because the car is like driving normally, gets hit with a bullet, and gets knocked off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they think that they got them, but they didn't. Yeah. This car does not explode, which I, I was disappointed by. Yeah, that was a shame. Um, but uh, Cunty dude calls it in, and Carol overhears Milo on the phone. And like, excellent, we got him. He's dead. Yeah, clapped his ass. We got I him don't know why home. he didn't die. They just somehow flopped onto the cliff, and it was like, <laughs> good thing we both know how to do that, even though you're not a spy. Yeah. yeah, had he been saved in that moment by some like arcane model train bullshit. I wouldn't have questioned it, but yeah. instead like, it's just... on with chopsticks or something? <laughs> you know what? If, if Smokey died, I would have bought it. <laughs> but no, they're both just spies, so it's okay. Smokey's fine. So yeah, she, she, she thinks that he's dead. Uh, I should also say that Blanche is wearing, at this point, a lime green pantsuit with a black shirt, which fucking pops off. That's the only thing that's notable about this scene, where they, they like hitchhike over to the villa, Arrive in a car inexplicably, and then like solid snake their way inside. Yeah, they did arrive in a car, didn't they? Blanche hates Carol. She's jealous and doesn't. So like jealous her. of Carol, um, just because of how many words she can type. Yeah, <laughs> Carol is uh, is sad because she thinks that Scott is dead. But then Scott sneaks in and is like, "I'm actually alive." She's very relieved. They yeah. kiss. My notes say, "Why?" I'm alive and we're in love. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's been hitting on her from minute one in, in the sort of, like, Chinese restaurant. And she's been giving nothing back beyond... beyond Why are you looking at me? Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> yeah. Said, Please stop. And th- that's not the sickest part. The sickest part is that Smokey is outside. They let him watch like a pet that's wandered into the room. Yeah. Like They don't even oh. turn him to face the wall. He's like a stuffed animal. He's oh. just, he's seen some fucking thing. You've got to shoo Smokey out of the room. What <laughs> <laughs> Smokey know about this? Smokey sleeps on the foot of the bed while you make love. I, I'm aware of the cuck chair, but the cuck surveillance outpost is like a new high. Well, um, isn't that like the guy in the lives of others? Yeah, basically. Yeah, he's like the cuck surveillance outpost. West German. It's it's a deeply West Germans, German thing. German sick people. All just like Jason Voorhees listening to people shag. Mm. Uh, so he he goes to the fucking warehouse. I'm I'm. You can hear me putting my hands over my head face as I try and remember what happens in this fucking movie. So Ooh. Carol Carol tries to find the code book mm. to decode the shit. There's so little. She she plants her bracelet, but then it immediately gets discovered. You see what I mean? Listers about the dead ends in this movie. Mm. Like she tries to plant it, and then just like, fails. And I'm like, well, yeah, she, pick a thing and do it. Mm. It's meandering, you know. I'm gonna mm. be honest. If you didn't tell me there was a nuclear bomb involved at the beginning of this podcast, I did not know that <laughs> at yeah. the end of the film. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> They're putting the like nuclear bomb parts into logs to disguise them. Yeah. 
Also, at this point, to add to the confusion, the dub fails and we just get like two or three minutes of German, which Blanche yeah. seems suspicious of Carol, but that's all I can tell you. <laughs> Quite a pivotal moment. Yeah. yeah. How's your um, German? <laughs> there was a subtitle file included, I, I, but there are still some bits where that doesn't even have any. So Yeah, but so, so nothing, Scott infiltrates, nothing. finally infiltrates this warehouse. He finally gets mm. in. Yeah. And is immediately made. Someone sees him and his response to breaking stealth is to like, shoot the first guy, um, sort of sidestep back and forth around a pillar in mm-hmm. like in front of the other guy's vision, which causes him to glitch out. <laughs> oh, then- I love that. That was odd. He's just looking back and forth with the gun, being like, I could shoot him, but he's so tricky. <laughs> they're, they're three feet away from each other at this point. And then Cunty Steve McQueen drops a tire around his he- like head and arms, which does not restrain him in any way at mm. all. Love it throws tire. him off though. Then he, he gets he gets captured and beaten up. Oh, he he gets captured and then he says, apropos what? of nothing, looking directly into Conti Steve McQueen's face, he says, "You must have been a beautiful child. Your mother must have loved you." <laughs> I knew you'd get Did that one. Did you know her? I knew you'd get that one. Just <laughs> baffling, baffling what? reads. To just be, I know your what? parents wouldn't want to hear about it. God, your handsome rip off Steve McQueen. <laughs> says you you must have been a beautiful child. Your mother must have loved you. Did you know her? And that's his like one liner, and I'm just like, huh? you know her? Just even like I don't even it, it takes me a second to even pass that as an insult. What are you fucking talking about, dude? It just sounds like you're hissing on me in the most pedophilic way. <laughs> just I like, just... damn, you must have been a hot child. <laughs> that's what he says. My parents don't know this. You must um, have driven your parents to despair. I'm now realizing, like, 50 minutes into the podcast, this is just the 1960s equivalent of doctors hate him. <laughs> Paris don't think this is possible. <laughs> I I'm getting really into the fucking tire thing. I love that. I loved thinking about that as an extension of the thing they had at the time where they thought that if you pulled a guy's uh blazer jacket down around his yeah. his arms, he was fucked forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was just it, common belief at the time in Europe was that if you had your upper arms in any way restrained, you were fucked. You were very that's Western true. That's true. focus on arms. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, meanwhile, Carol is trying to like. Find the code book. Yeah, and she gets caught by a she, black. She's wearing a beautiful pink dress in this scene. So, really nice. honestly, a lot of her fits yeah, in this are really good. She, yeah, she looks a bit like uh, Kate Archer in No One Lives Forever, too. Anyway, she she gets captured, and there's like just the briefest, tiniest moment of like lesbian vibes because she's like tied up, being menaced by this woman, and then she's immediately like, "Nope, not gonna do the menacing myself. Gonna delegate that to uh, Chang." Chang. <laughs> Chang, who is not- his name is Chang. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not a character. Yeah. Not so, character. um, Carol gets caught and suspended from the ceiling, mm. and the shot that we get because her dress is backless we are we the shot that we get is like shot from behind her so we see her and she appears in the shot to be nude and like blanche is standing in front of her like smoking a cigarette it's like mm, yeah mm. me and who but th- yeah it's it's, it's well, <sighs> don't start listening people uh, but so but so yeah this is this then becomes the kind of like uh racialized sexual threat thing yeah shang tries to menace her she kicks he does. T- 
Actually. She she does an incredible kick, by the way, because like mm. suspended only by the wrists, right? She puts her whole weight on her wrists, which I don't recommend, and then incredible core strength, like pulls herself up to kick him in the chest. Mm. She has like a matrix kick to Chang. Yeah. And he flips over backwards. He, he sells it great. He does like <laughs> over the head. Incredible stuff from Chang is taken the Chang's fuck done. out by this. And then <laughs> they cut away, so we're left to assume, like, and that was it. He kills himself with a knife immediately after this. <laughs> He's too embarrassed. <laughs> you take one hit point of damage and you just have to kill yourself. Ah, oh. This organization does not tolerate even the mildest <laughs> of failures. This organization is doing a hitless run, quite frankly, and if you're not aligned with the fucking vision, yeah. kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Fantastic. At this, at this point, Milo, Milo is trying to run away with the cash, which yeah. I quite like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like, fuck this shit. This organization is doing it. It's like, I'm going to get knifed if I keep doing this because I've failed somewhere. This organization's on fucking Iron Man mode and I need to leave. All right. Blanche comes in and she's like, trying to escape by you. And he's like, yes, 100% I am. <laughs> I of course that. I am, which, bro. I, which I respect. I respect yeah. so deeply. Blanche, she's a fucking snitch. She immediately dubs him in. Yeah, she does. Um, <laughs> and what's that get her? What does that get her? <sighs> Nothing. Knocked I out, mean, I think, actually. Yeah. I, she, she gets knocked out and captured. Blanche gets knocked out again and captured. Mm. What? No, she doesn't. What are you talking about? I don't fucking oh, sorry. remember. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I've skipped like 10 yeah. minutes because I stopped looking the- at the screen. And Blanche calls else. the chief and is like, Yo, Milo's trying to betray us. And then at this point, Smokey got caught last night and Uncle Chopped. And he's woken up mm. by May Ping because for some reason they just left him lying there when they Uncle Chopped him. <laughs> he's been unconscious for <laughs> so <laughs> long. He's Locked been him like, out and then left. <laughs> like face down outside for like 12 hours. No one hours. in this conspiracy has a second thing to do. They've only mm. ever been given one instruction <laughs> per yeah. thing. And when they're done, they're like, all right. So, so May Ping uh, is there, um, and she's like, "Yo, wake up, Smokey. We've got to go to the next scene. Everyone else has left. They've all driven away." Um, so yes. Scott is being—he's uh, in the car. He's being driven at gunpoint by Milo, yeah. uh, and they're being followed by somebody else. We don't know who this is. Uh, the other guys like open fire, killing Milo. Scott manages to bail, and the car blows up. Um, and we see that these assassins who just took out Milo is fucking Norm. Yeah. Oh my Norm. god. Oh my god, the only guy it could have been. Smokey's oh, friend? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Smokey's friend. They, they did not spring for the non-explosive car upgrade like Michael Scott no, did, by the way. The car not. just fucking blows up from the trunk first. So At this point we get a scene that happens in German where Smokey and Mayping go to the police station and Mayping, I'm assuming given what happens later, this is the point where Mayping reveals that she's a cop. Mm-hmm. But Almost it's not sadly. like, yeah. Um, is she a cop? I thought she yeah, just yeah. was in love she with Smokey. No, she turns up at the end in a police officer's uniform. She's the one yeah. who brings the cops in because she's been an undercover agent the whole time. She's got some great uniforms in this. We all love Maypig. Mm. Mm, truly. Maypig, folks. We all go to the junks. Yes. And yes. at this point, while he is being. All right. Let's get to these fucking junks, baby. Now, no think- funny business. You head straight for the junk. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that one. That's good every week. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know my own junk. <laughs> I know. Oh, God damn it, you've got them all. I knew you were going to get that. Is, is this one a junk one? No, I prefer to go to the junk. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> Scott goes to see Norm. And he's like, Norm, I somehow still don't know who the bad guy is, despite the fact <laughs> it's like, Norm, I'm trying to figure this you out. You tried to shoot me in the previous scene. Um, but he, it's like, we've got to go. They've got Carol. We've got to go to straight to the junk. Um, and then and then Scott does like, because he sees that Norm has a gun in his desk and he fucking puts it together, right? Um, so yeah. they get on a speedboat. They're heading out to the junk. Um, and at this point, Norm pulls a gun and he's like, aha, I'm the bad guy. But Scott's like, I unloaded your gun between the scenes, you fool. Tables yeah. turned. The tables are turned, whatever. Yeah. It's a move that works even better than pretending you're selling life insurance. <laughs> Blanche, Blanche and County Steve McQueen have like injected... Um, Carol. And have injected Carol. Carol. I will never Carol. remember this bitch's name. They're uh, in love. Yeah, have injected Carol with some kind of like sleeping drug, and they're taking her to the junk. Also, Scott pulls the old fake prisoner routine. If you, yeah, if you'd watched this movie and nothing else, you'd you'd get the concept that human beings spend like forty five percent of their lives unconscious, mm. not like sleeping either. I mean, <laughs> no, like just knocked out, just knocked, just in places, <laughs> going to bed, and like you know, a, a big mallet like hits me over the head. I, I should say, by the way, that I'm working off of a synopsis, weirdly detailed Wikipedia synopsis of this, auto-translated from German, so... Oh, thank God, the English one is not good. Well, yes. to be honest, at this point, when they get on board the boat, we get a lot of like people getting disarmed. The gun goes back and forth so much um, that Scott even like makes a joke out of it. He's like, ah, I'm getting sick to death of this gun, I'm just going to keep hold of it. Like, And it's like, <laughs> you wrote the film like that! <laughs> <laughs> Look at this terrible thing! This buttery oh. gun. Keep they keep getting like back. tricked into this one little room below decks yeah. on the junk, uh, and then the gun changes hands again. Mm. It'd be slapstick, but it isn't. It's desperately boring. Yes, really yeah. bad. <laughs> Everyone ends up fighting. Carol manages to uncle chop somebody. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the the cunty... she's done all of the work, like all of the spy shit. In this movie. Yeah, she's been really good considering she's not even a spy. Yeah, this guy um, just wants to play over his trains. <laughs> relatable. She she helps him defeat Conti Steve McQueen as well because she sneaks behind him under gunfire. Yeah. And like, you know, punches punches his gun away from him so that Scott can like punch him off the boat. She's a natural. Yeah. <laughs> well she gets like held at trident point by Conti Steve McQueen. Yeah. I'm not sure why he has a trident. It. Yeah, and, and and he he's like, if you take a step towards me, I'm gonna like Trident her in the face. You take a step towards me, you're going to die like someone who. No one has died by Trident since Gladiator times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He, almost, he doesn't threaten to kill her. He's like, she's not going to be so pretty anymore because I'm going to Trident her damn face. You're absolutely <laughs> right. He he threatens to disfigure her. Yeah, it's, like, this uh, but, is a you know because that's her only worth as a woman is her looks. Mm, obviously, but, this is your wife. So 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 Scott Scott like punches him off of the boat. And the second he hits the water, he's dead. He's like fucking GTA Vice City. He's it's <laughs> over. Yeah, no. yeah. most one-sided uh, movie fight I have seen in my entire life. It's just Michael <laughs> Scott working the body, working the jaw, <laughs> <laughs> using <laughs> obstacles. He's swinging. He does the thing where he pulls the blazer down and completely incapacitates him. Mm. He punches him. He hits the water, and he, like Altair in Assassin's Creed One, he dies. Yeah. Instantly on contact with water. Mm-hmm. There was nothing in the rest of the movie that hinted that fight was going to be that one-sided. It was, it <laughs> no. was completely a wash. Yeah. If anything, Cuddy Steve McQueen was like talking himself up. He gets his ass handed to him. He did like a thirty-hit <laughs> combo. <laughs> if he doesn't have the tire, he's fucked. He's got nothing. <laughs> I have one move. I need an empty tire. <laughs> My one move is to. Try- 
prophetire on you. I need to be one floor above my opponent at all times or I'm literally fucked. Yeah. Norm and Blanche are trapped below deck and Norm reveals that he's planted a time bomb on the boat. Yep. That mm-hmm. he now can't escape. <laughs> Why did you do that? This was your boat. <laughs> this, imagine hearing this from the guy that you've just trapped below decks. Scott, let me out. Is that a time bomb on board? He's <laughs> like, you did what? So, sounds like a you Why problem, you man. <laughs> this is your boat. Just leave. <laughs> Norman, man, what are you doing? He goes in to rescue Blanche specifically. Norm fakes him out. Yeah. Because they also manage to set, he sets the fucking boat on fire because Blanche and Norm fight because Blanche is like, you were planning to blow us up and cover your tracks. You, would, you just were using us. Fuck you. Yeah, he knocks her out and starts a fire, and he goes like, "Steve, there's a fire down here." And I've also started a fire, Steve. <laughs> He's like, "What is with this guy?" It's like really making yourself as like pathetic as possible, yeah. like as threatened as possible, in hopes that the Steve. guy takes pity. Steve, Steve, I've been it. Help me. <laughs> And they cut to Steve, and he's just making out five feet away from the door. I've skinned my knee. I also pissed myself. <laughs> they are just above text kissing. They're like, all right, I should probably go check on Norman. He seems to have really fucked it up. Well, the, the smoke starts coming out, and he's like, oh, damn, they really are on yeah, fire. It's kind there. of a false ending. Uh, so so the, the, the Royal Hong Kong police turn up with Mei Ping in uniform, which, hello, and and Norm fakes uh, Scott out because he gets yeah. below deck and having <laughs> noticed the smoke from the fire. And Blanche <laughs> has been uh, knocked out because Norm knocked her out and says, help me carry her. Um, and Scott runs up to him and Norm uncle chops him on the back and runs for it. Um, but he ends up getting hit by a falling beam and killed. Yeah, so. no, he dies so unceremoniously and as a result of nothing. <laughs> he just yeah. walks out there and the fire that he's set in the course of this fight uh, just drops a beam on him. And he's, just, and he's, just have he's Carol kill him. She's right there. But, but anyway. Carol is unconscious and below decks. And uh, what what Steve does here? And this, no, is, this is not Blanche's. That's Blanche. Carol's. They're pretty. They're all, <laughs> all right. Great. <laughs> we love these ladies. <laughs> Blanche is below decks. She's unconscious. And Steve goes, "Oh," and leaves her. <laughs> yeah. Dives off. Dives off the boat. It explodes. <laughs> <laughs> This is such a bad job of it, man. Like, this whole thing could have been dealt with so much more easily. Yeah, you you should have rescued her. Yeah. Like, at every opportunity, this whole mission has gone completely wrong. They didn't want to shoot her getting arrested, so instead they just, like, blow her up. And the last shot is is like him and, and Carol kissing in a totally, like, unearned way. And and that's 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 Red Dragon. Movie. That's Red Dragon, the secret of three junks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... That's a horrible looking little thing. <laughs> Just, it's, it's not. It wasn't good. I don't know. I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> there we go. And that's my review of Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah I feel the same way. Yeah. I have coronavirus right now, and I'm going to sleep after this. <laughs> I'm gonna go to sleep. I the thing is right. We gotta stop doing the Euro spy movies. We gotta we gotta stop. I'm sure there are good ones. This isn't one. This wasn't even really fun to make fun of. This was just it's like like mining, man. It's like <laughs> I'm working so hard. I don't dispute that I have a real job anymore. That is that. Yeah, this sucked. I. <sighs> but how did how did you feel about it, Alex? I'm sure you've not seen that many Euro spy movies. How does yeah, how does true. this? 
Yes, just hold up. So the little, um, you know, the stuff that you've all probably gone numb to, which is the mm. instant karate chops to um, make someone go, go unconscious, more entertaining yes. for me every time. Mm, the uncle chop. All of the 60s, like rampant misogyny stuff was very funny to me. Um, had a lot of fun. It was objectively a bad movie. Like I would never, <laughs> I would never contend mm. that this is a good movie, but here's what I liked about this that I do not get from movies that come out in 2024, which is it is 90 exact minutes long and then over. <laughs> yeah. And you get to leave. And that <laughs> is true. fine for me. You could tell they there's, were like running no, that like, clock as well. They were like, post credit right. scene, you know. Uh, I, yeah, he doesn't show his parents the, the girl he arrested. Um, but I watched the new Wonka. I watched oh, the new yeah. Wonka two weeks ago and I was in the theater with my family being like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. I mean, it was like 200 minutes or whatever. It was pretty good. But you know is what? It? Like if that was 100, if that was exactly 90 minutes like this is, I would have had a great time with that too. Mm-hmm. We got to bring back a 90 minute movie. Yeah. There's no reason club. for them to be this long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have to speculate though. We have a science-based system on this podcast. Called the SCUM system, stands for SMARM, cultural insensitivity, unprovoked violence and misogyny on a scale of one to seven. So, how SMARMY is this movie, bearing in mind the, uh, well, you've been a very good girl, kind of ness <laughs> of it? A lot of that's gonna come under misogyny. Yeah. He doesn't really have, like, one liners all that much. No. The things he says seem random and unearned in a way that <laughs> does keep you true. guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just kind of... It does keep you guessing. I will say that about the movie. Yeah. He's, he's got a few little things. He's got like, well, that's a horrible little thing. And then he's got the bit where he's just like, never trust a man. Ba-da-ba-da. And like, mm. he keeps calling her... A lot of this is going to come into misogyny, but he does keep calling her like, you're my favorite girl. And like, how's my Good best girl? girl? Yeah. Yeah. He just, yeah, he doesn't have a ton of smarmy lines. Like, he doesn't have the Bond lines where he kills a guy and then does the like thing. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. true. That does the one-liner. He doesn't do that. That hadn't been invented yet. Basically true. I, I, I don't know. I could see this going up to like a four or a five. You know. Yeah, I could give it a four. Yeah. Uh, All right. Cultural fine. insensitivity. Cultural fine. insensitivity. Uh, yeah. No. It's I mean, weird. I've never been like our stance has always been omission is blanket too, right? Because you have to pretend yeah. that people who aren't white don't exist, and that is culturally insensitive, even if there's no one of color actually in the movie to be made fun of. However, this is the only time I've ever felt like we need to do the omission thing despite having the whole film set in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah genuinely. There is nobody. It's egregious. It's There's only May Ping. It's May Ping. It's May Ping and the henchman. <laughs> and then a fisherman who would rather not talk to you in a totally yeah. understandable way. At least he's like humanized. Like he has a family that he cares about, I guess. They do humanize one person of color, and that is so good for the se- for the fucking yeah, sixties. Mm. That's better than we can imagine. The rest of the time, though, even just the way they shoot street scenes and stuff, where they're pushing people out of the way, it's just kind of like it's just contemptuous more than yeah, anything. It's it just could like be anywhere, like it's just so. Like I thought, part of the point of filming these like Eurospy movies was to be like check out these cool exotic destinations. Now with the magic of air travel, you too can go to Hong Kong, and it, it's like no, they didn't want to be in Hong Kong. They're like, if we don't give a shit about this place, it sucks, and we're racist about the food. It's just yeah, he, six. He didn't six. even enjoy his one man rickshaw. 
That's true. The most yeah. racist mode if, of transport, and he didn't even like it. If you're taking a one-man rickshaw, like, they're just pulling you, you could just walk. At that <laughs> point. What are you paying them for? Yeah. <laughs> just don't right. wanna. <laughs> I'm so tired. Mm. Unprovoked violence. I mean, when he gets, like, detected in the warehouse, he does just, like, shoot one guy out of hand. And it's not even the guy who sees him. He, like, shoots the guy's friend. I choose uh, to believe he didn't mean to. <laughs> Because I'm basing that on all of the rest of his discharges, and I just I reckon that one was probably negligent. Mm. <laughs> he successfully killed that the guy, guy with it. Have a knife, but that is kind of a bit like. Yeah. Mm. Give him a couple points for that. He he does kind of is it is it violence to not save a woman? Yes, from- it is yes. actually. Yeah, he should have done that. That's mm-hmm. getting points for that. A duty to intervene. Yes, Carol okay. wanted Blanche out of the way. Hmm. I I don't know I it's gotta be he's not like killing hordes of people like fucking Rambo so like three or four right yeah I don't want to go lower than a four because he he does allow an unconscious woman to die that's four? not cool four. he shouldn't do that uh and then last of all misogyny seven it's gotta be <sighs> I mean never trust a man from never the scene where he's like man. touching her bra he's so fucking patronizing. The depiction of women in this film is like Carol is obviously in love with him for no fucking reason. Bullshit. It's gross. It's gross. Real bad. Seven. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, in which shit. case, where does where does that leave us? That gives us a total score of twenty one, which is pretty bad. Do we feel like any characters went above and beyond the Call of Duty? I don't think anyone Nobody in this really... movie went above and beyond at all. It's mm. so by the numbers. Nothing memorable about this one. Do, do not watch this. You don't need to do that. We we made Alex watch it, and that's enough people, you know? <laughs> Can I just say as well that like yeah. going back and looking at the scores from the Man from Uncle movies, mm. those were so much better than the things that were being made at the same time. Like the Man from Uncle movies are consistent at the 15, 14, 11, 12. Like they knew how to do it. The Uncle Boys. Oh, I miss them. Them Uncle Boys. <laughs> Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin, the true kings of this of this podcast, I think. Honestly, though, um, but yeah, that's that's Red Dragon. Do not watch this movie. Bad times. Um, thank you for listening Jesus to the Christ. podcast, Alex. Thank you for enduring this with us. <laughs> thank you for having me. I had nothing better to do. I have COVID nineteen. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. I have to get you back on for a better one. <laughs> if the people want more, Alex, where can they find you? Oh, you should go to the one-stop shop that is the Quarator's YouTube page. We have recently been fired for truth. You must support the show. Damn shame. Oh, yeah. Also, Devin's uh, been on once. That's true. And, 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 and Abigail. Is, is extremely funny. I, I had Abigail has been on. And Justin Rosniak, even, as well. So if you- oh, I guess I wasn't, you know, funny enough to... Well, that's fine. Well, Alice, you're the missing Alice, element. kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we will have to get you back at some point, Alex, because, you know, we've never done a Dragon Ball Z movie on this podcast about masculinity. We tried to once. We got close once. one time, and it got... I kept vetoing axed. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she wouldn't let us do it. Clearly one actor is uh, stopping this from happening. <laughs> <laughs> Mysterious Alice If we got you as well, presence. it's more right. She cannot stop us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which one would you do? I don't know. We tried to do the one where Vegeta becomes a Super Saiyan god, but it just it didn't end up working like, schedule-wise. I mean, I uh, yes, talk about Broly for an hour and a half anytime, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to go back to some of the older ones, I'm, to be honest. I'm just sitting here like, what are you three... Fucking talking about. If you could just show Alice Tree of Might, the whole situation oh, no. would change. That's not yeah, a good one. 
Don't. <laughs> we're not doing that. We're not going to do this. Original. One the original on one might be good. The original. No, no. Uh, th- thank you so much for for listening to the podcast. Um, we hope to do a limited number more Eurospy movies in 2024. I'll say this for you: the end is in sight. Mm-hmm. We're nearly oh, there. Yeah, we're, it's it's almost over. Uh, <laughs> we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Kill James Bond. Uh, next episode, in two weeks' time, on the free feed, is The Man in Istanbul. Um, I don't know what that's about. I haven't watched that one yet. Uh, it should be fine. I don't know if we have a guest lined up for it either. But if that is simply too long for you to wait, then next week on the Patreon, patreon.com slash killjamesbond, all one word, £5 a month minimum. As the cost of living gets harder and harder, £5 a month is probably the smallest amount of money anyone is asking you for per month at the moment. My dentist tried to charge me £16 a month, and I'm like, I, everything in my life wants to charge me £16 a month, man. I can't do this. I simply cannot allow my dentist to be one of them. Um, <clears throat> regardless, Netflix doesn't even have any good on it anymore. Old man yells at Cloud. It's got to be a movie on there. It's Vive the V, um, which is, of course, a French New Wave movie. And if you have not seen the previous bonus episode, it's Zardoz. And I think that that is hugely worth your time. That's already out on the bonus feed as you're listening to this. Now, speaking, of course, of the bonus feed, we will be nothing without our patrons. And of those tales are told of our 15 pounds and above patrons and those are space northpaw lobeons.ae candy fox freya aloysius gustavo lira little maybe jack holmes mike berg hannah oberhart nick boris power dad nathan mori jason hager george roja kentucky fried commie drone lover yarrick melody moro gonzalez dr nose osha inspector labor delenda est callum bernie j martindale trip library hitman max gamenhart jonathan gerd Mothman, Beef Crime, Kit Divine, Jack Drummond, Top O, Steve Widdishins, Anne Hedonia, Maeve, Victoria Roth, Rosie, Can't Fail, Helps and Horses and Men, Claire, Forrest L. Novell, Sean Connery and the Leather Budgie Smuggler Blues Band, Lenina, The Project Project, Emery, Commissar Rosimandias, Whitney Wolverine, a trans robot, just the worst, Hell, Joyous Uwu, Kill James Bond, Highlight, San Hutchin, Artemis, Violet Cybra, Isopod Gal, Annie Ruby, Katie Brooks, Ronan, Clarifications, Virat Sukart, John 2089, Noblesse, Oblahai, Connor's Cool Big Sister, Sergeant Jack Ram, Sengshen, Alex, Liz Nash in Florida, Corvid Cultist, Wolscott, Quinn Valeri, Grendel, Growls, Wolfie, Al Owing, Philip Smith, who is at present banned from being funny in the jazz outro, Finn Ross, Robert Greensmith, Abigail, Electro, the Cyber Puppy, Loz, Pycock, Mega Combi, Emily, Queen of Sloths, Turfs, Eat Shit and Die Alone, Josh Simmons, Zoe Shepard, Cheer Up Love, Might Never Happen, Vey, Talkative Tiger, and Lauren Baston. Thank you for all of your support. Killing Upon is Alice, Abigail, and Devon. We were joined on this episode by Alex Patak. Our producers are the wonderful Mr. Nate Bethay and Tom O'Mahony. Our podcast art is by Maddie Lubchansky and our website is by Tom Allen. See ya. Mwah.